Hey, welcome to Hot Takes. I'm your host, James Scott, here to analyze anything and everything interesting. Let's dig into today's topics. And so we're back, and everyone loves how I, Chris, love saying, and we're back. We are back from a very successful live stream last week. We had a couple of viewers, a couple of people interacting and things like that. James and I had a really fun time on the live stream. We're planning to do them twice a month. So stay tuned and we'll be releasing dates for when we'll be doing live streams um, earlier than when we actually hop onto the live streams. And I mean, that's that. James, take it away. Tell us what the news is for this week. Surprise me. Surprise our listeners. So, yeah. So... First and foremost, Puig hasn't signed. Uh, I thought he would have signed by now. Uh, so that's that's a shame. Um, my fantasy team is doing terrible. Had a great first day. Ever since then, it's been terrible. Um, uh, I, I, I retooled a couple of things with my roster. I got a little bit too many relievers. Um, but I'm also very confident in my roster. So I think that by the end of the season... I'll be, you know, one of the best, if not the best in my league. Um, but see, that's kind of the cool thing here is that like now I'm one of those teams where like everybody in the league that I'm in right now knows that I'm at the bottom. I'm literally like tied for the worst. Um, by the end of the year, like they'll know that I'm one of the best. So I, it's going to be really cool because everybody knows that my team's terrible right now. So when the rise happens, it's going to be so much more mm-hmm. enjoyable, you know? Uh, and that's the other thing. A lot of the guys that I got, like, it wasn't like I was betting on guys who aren't consistent. So this is just literally a week one thing. Um, so that's kind of fun. Um, but, you know, nobody cares about my fantasy league. Um, there have been a lot of injuries throughout baseball, a lot of different things going on. Um Astros are, you know, getting hit by pitches and booed, which is beautiful. It's deserved. Um, I have to rip on them every episode, Chris. Every I, single. I do. You really it's, do. It's, it's the rule. <laughs> um, like, here's the deal, okay? This is why I absolutely hate the Astros. If they just stopped doing their stuff and played like a normal team, I, I'd be a little bit more all right with it, all right? But they do dirty plays, so... Okay, if you are the Astros, right? The last few years, the Angels haven't really been as much of a threat as Oakland. So the Astros have faced Oakland so far this year. I think that was the opening series. Mm -hmm. Oakland Astros, right? And, you know, there was a collision, you know, uh, uh, shortstop Correa, who's the biggest jerk on the team, um, collided with Matt Chapman, who's a Mm -hmm. very notable player. On, on Oakland. And at first glance, it's just like, oh, you know, these things happen. But then when you realize that Correa is a really dirty player, you know, then it's like, okay, well, then the tackle may or may not have been on purpose, right? Well, if it was an inevitable tackle, like there wasn't anything he could have done, then maybe there's, you know, some sort of, right, you know, I'll dodge or apprehension or whatever, you know? It's just an odd thing when over and over and over again, Correa is the one being involved in these plays. Mm -hmm. Correa is tackling people. Correa is 
getting in the way of throws. Correa is, you know, yelling so that, you know, the, the fielders will think that, you know, the ball is coming down and, and, and the other guy has it. Like, it, it, it's Bush League stuff, you know? So if you're Correa and you always act like that and you always try to take out great players for the other teams and, and, and do those types of things and disadvantage the other team and you're just that kind of guy, right? Mm-hmm. And you know you're up against Oakland. Well, who's Oakland's best player? It's Matt Chapman. You know, you, you, you could utilize the second base bag or you could tackle him, you know? You know that Matt Chapman's coming off a hip surgery, you know? So if you watch the play and you watch it and you break it down, you slow-mo it, uh, Correa shoulders Chapman. He tries to go in with the shoulder. That's why Chapman goes down so hard. That's why it's not just like, oh, a little, you know, they, they collide a little bit. No, that was, you know, and, um, you know, Chapman's not nearly as big as Correa, you know, and coming off that injury, that could really seriously have possibly damaged his career. And, you can tell like he's just never changed it's the same guy who thinks that his cheating was fine the same guy who thinks that the championship's legitimate as far as i'm concerned like he needs the bautista treatment some dude who's sliding into second base needs to come up and punch him in the face you know (laughs) yeah like like what happened with odor i don't know if you you know this chris but a couple of years ago, when the Rangers Rangers just released Odor this mm-hmm. spring, but a couple of years ago that when they had him, and when Bautista was in the league, he was playing for the Blue Jays, and Bautista, who you know he he would always hit these game winning home runs, he would do this bat flip, and you know he would, you know, do the whole. You get the idea. Where if you're going to hit me with a pitch, all right, I'm going to come up my next at bat and I'm going to hit it 450 feet. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I love that kind of thing. Okay. But it rubs some people the wrong way. So he went into second base pretty hard when playing against Texas in Texas and Odor came up, shoved him and then punched him across the side of the face. And I'll tell you, I've never, ever seen a ball player, you know, well, no, I've rarely seen a ball player more deserving of getting clocked than a guy like Correa. I mean, there's, there's no, there, you know, you want to talk about someone being humble, mm-hmm. you want to talk about someone being courageous, you know, full of respect and, and sound morals, someone who, uh, you know, doesn't think that they are the straw that stirs the drink, mm-hmm. you know, you know, if it was someone like that, like Altuve is like that, you know, he may have done the cheating. I hate him, you know, Bregman. He may have done the cheating. I hate him. Yuli, he may have done the cheating. I hate him. But to do the cheating and then just being such a smart aleck about it, you know, just, just to be such a, such a loud mouth about it. I mean, it just shows you who the person is. Uh, I hope he goes back to Houston and spends the rest of his career there because I can't, uh, like, it, w- it, it, would, it would make me sick to see this guy go on the market like he's going to mm-hmm. next off season and have another team value him enough to sign him away from staying there. He's not worth it. Not, not in here and not in his actual abilities. I don't care about how the numbers he's put up. If you know what pitches are coming, 
what good are you? Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at his numbers last year without knowing what pitches were coming, it's below league average. If you look at his numbers the year in between where it looked like they didn't use the system as much, I think we talked about this very briefly. Mm-hmm. That season, um, his numbers were slightly above league average. And then you take it to, like, 2016, he's, like, 20% above league average. And then his first year was, like, 30% above league average. So he is getting worse markedly each year except for when he uses the cheating um he's a gimmick you know um i understand the people who like him who are astros fans i don't understand anyone who likes him who's a fan of of any other team um yeah i mean there's nothing redeemable there it's not even a situation where it's like people are particularly intimidated of him anymore. People know his ability now. They know what he's done in the past, mm-hmm. but they know his ability now. And if they don't know, you remind them. Yes, <laughs> I will continue to. Like, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, like even Altuve, Altuve knew that now that he doesn't have his cheat codes, he's not going to be the guy that he used to be. So this offseason, he started working out, right? He came in, he's fast again. He hasn't been fast in years. Uh, if you look at his speed going from third to home, he brought his speed back. Still can't hit. Still can't hit. Uh, you know, gimmicks. The whole team of gimmicks. Anyway, so today we're going to be breaking down the last of the divisions, but, you know, the way that we break it down, uh, where we go worst to best, where we talk about one team in each league, and this time we're doing the West. So, we are going to be talking about the worst of each of those divisions. And I think it's pretty clear the two worst teams in each of those divisions. It's not a very exciting show. So I had to get, you know, a little bit of the excitement of the Astros stuff off my chest. These two teams are not, there's not much going good for them. So let's start by talking with the one that has no hope. And then we'll talk about the one that has <laughs> uh, very little hope. You're um, <laughs> <laughs> you're like one has no hope and the other one has very little hope so don't get your yeah, hopes up. yeah bottom five teams both of these in baseball so it's not like you know oh but this you know bottom you know th- this this you know fifth best team in their division bottom team in their division if they were in a different division they'd know like these are terrible teams so We'll start off by talking about National League West Rockies. Just got to get these out of the way, really. (laughs) I'm not a fan, man. I'm not a fan in any way whatsoever. Uh, The Rockies pitching staff, which is better than it's been, I think, at any point in in, in the memory that I have, is still not able to function at an above-league average level because of their ballpark, because of the fit. Well, it's not technically for being truthful not even their ballpark. It's just the thin air. They have a big ballpark, but the thin air makes it so anytime a ball has any sort of spin to it, it just keeps going. And to be a big leaguer, most of the time, you have to have a good deal of spin on your pitches. So it's not really, not a lot of guys are able to pitch in Colorado and succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a few guys who have shown some ability to do it. Herman uh, Marquez is the big one. He's the best pitcher that they've had in a very long time. 
Uh, but then they have other guys who they are convinced that they can get to be good pitchers for them. Uh, they got John Gray. They got Kyle Freeland. Uh, they got uh, they brought back Julius Chassin, who the Yankees just released, but he's fairly irrelevant. And they brought in Stevenson and Senzalatella. Uh, so those guys as well could compete for rotation spots. Not really a fan of any of them except for Marquez. Marquez, though, legitimately could be. If you moved him to a different ballpark, to a different team, Marquez could probably be a two-starter. So that's the talent that exists in the rotation. Um, In the bullpen, it's basically like Michael Givens and maybe Daniel Bard. I'm worried about Daniel Bard's walks coming back. Uh, He kind of was out of the league for a while because he was so wild. Um, And Givens is kind of like just a solid middle innings guy. I mean, he's not very different from you know, a worse version of like Darren O'Day or something along those lines. And I believe he was also an Oriole at some point in time. Uh, and that's their pitching staff. Utterly terrible outside of Marquette. Um, if you moved John Gray maybe to a different ballpark, um, he could probably, <coughs> goodness gracious, oof, oh, be a three him. starter. Thank you. <laughs> he could probably be about a three starter, maybe a two starter if you moved him out of the ballpark, if everything pans out for him. But probably more of a three starter. Um, that's John Gray. Uh, as far as their catcher situation, they have Elias Diaz. Ouch. You know, they have Dom Nunez behind him, but neither of them are that good. The fact that Dom Nunez is the lefty of the two means that he'll probably get the majority of the at-bats, which is a really scary situation. That's not what you want at the position at all. Um, they have Josh Fuentes and they have Colton Welker. Welker's going to be up in the mi- up from the minors in a couple of uh, months once his service time has been delayed. Uh, Fuentes is taking over third base right now. He made a good play the other day. He cannot hit. He's a bottom 10 third baseman in the league. They have Brendan Rodgers who could come in and be a really good second baseman for them. But once again, he is hurt. He's always hurt. Like I remember when I was looking at the Adam in the minors, I was like, oh, this guy – he, he reminds me of Tulowitzki. Well, he reminds me of Tulowitzki too much. You know, Tulowitzki would get hurt all the time. And this guy's not even a big leaguer. and He's getting hurt like that. Um, they got Chris Owings, which is a good idea because he spins the ball, but he also hasn't been in the big leagues for a few years. Uh, they have Ryan McMahon, who they think will finally do something for him. Doubt it. They have Garrett Hampson, who would be really decent if he played for a different team. Because he slaps the ball. He doesn't spin the ball. If he played for a different team, he'd actually have some sort of semblance of power. But because he slaps the ball, you know, in that kind of ballpark, you can catch those, those balls. It eats you alive. So Isla Mayhew never did anything in that ballpark. Fortunately for Hampson, he does have speed. Uh, they have CJ Crone, another guy who's going to spin the ball, but, you know, okay. You know, he batted like 198 last year. So, okay, he's going to be a power hitter for you, but he's not going to hit any batting average. Um, And then you move to the outfield. You got Charlie Blackman, who can hit, can't really defend that well, although he's a good arm. I've always thought that he would make a really good first baseman, but given that they have Crone there right now, 
I doubt that Blackman sees first. I, I think that Blackman likely changes teams as soon as he hits the market. Uh, because frankly, why would he ever want to continue playing for this team? Um, they have like nothing around him. They've had nothing around him his entire career. Um, I'd want to try it out elsewhere. I'd, I'd want to see if I could actually get a championship, you know, or, 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 or playoff time, you know, a deep playoff run. So Blackman's one of their decent bats. You know, he's a lefty. He's got a good arm. Terrible defender, though. Um, I wonder, though, if you put him in a small outfield. Like, if you move Charlie Blackman to Boston and you put Charlie Blackman in left field, you know, his arm would play up. You know, you could hide the fact that his range is what it is. You know, maybe get a decent defender out of him. And also, with, you know, Boston being the dimensions that it is, you probably could get some sort of semblance of offense. So maybe there's some sort of future for Blackman in Boston or something like that, but he's one of the best that they have left. Daza, who's got the same problems that Garrett Hampson does, is a slap hitter. If he was playing for a different ballpark, he would be a much better offensive factor, if you will. They have Sam Hillard, who, who did well in the minors, but I fear that he's a little bit more of an athlete than a baseball player. Uh, I don't know if he'll have the the fine-tuned skills and the awareness that you would need in order to be a plus-plus big leaguer. Um, Coordination, too, as well. But he's very strong. He's he's 6'5". And then you got Tapia. Uh, Tapia had a big year last year. Um, But almost all of it was his Babbitt. And when you have a BABIP that's that high and you've never done anything like that before, um, you got to think that that's going to come back down to earth. Nobody BABIPs around 400, and he did. And uh, he doesn't really spin the ball. So that's kind of a worry for me with him in Colorado. Uh, But he was a top prospect, so there is some potential. I just think he'd do much better if he was, like, playing for Miami in the outfield or something like that, a better ballpark for him. Across the board, they don't really have anyone who's really works well for their ballpark, fits well in their ballpark, except for Charlie Blackman and Trevor Story. Um, And Trevor Story is a free agent after the year as well. So this is a team that's bad. This is a team that's going to get worse. Um, I don't want to, like, you know, I'll just be real about it, okay? When Blackman's gone, when Story's gone, they're going to be so terrible that they're going to have to trade Marquez. We're looking at a team that might be the, the worst team in the major leagues by a good deal within the next two years. Because even the Orioles are finding their way. You know, they, they just started internationally drafting again. And they have had two good drafts in a row. And they have accidentally developed a couple of guys at the big league level by just giving guys at bats. Sometimes that'll happen. If you're giving everybody on your team a chance because you don't have any talent, 25 you know, men a chance every year, two, three might do something. You know what I mean? So it's why uh, the Astros during their, their worst years, they, they developed Altuve, they developed Dallas Keuchel, um, and then they he let them cheat. So, uh, 
so yeah, uh, I, I think that you know Story's going to be gone. I think Blackman's going to be gone. I think uh, you know Crone's contract's going to be up. He'll parlay that into a bigger deal, or he'll be traded. Um, and then they're going to have to trade Marquez just because he'll be the last good player on their roster that they can get uh, uh, prospects for. And the worst part about it, though, because I want to say, oh well, the Arenado trade that they did this offseason netted them so much it was a terrible trade it was one of those trades where instead of getting you know really good legitimate talent in return the rack the, the rockies were they were just okay bringing in like like a high number of players you know it wasn't like oh you know these are all guys that are really high value it's oh we're just going to bring in of their top 30 prospects eight or, or six or something like that. Like it's not, uh, no one in the package is particularly special. There might be one guy who's interesting, but he has like, his, his likelihood is much more like as a reliever or like as a four starter or three starter, four starter in, in the Rockies ballpark. Um, and that's it. That's all that they got for him. They got uh, this guy, Montero in the deal who's a third baseman but he's got strikeout issues he's got some hit you know swing swing concerns he's got some um contact concerns he's a low minors guy like he's an a ball so you know we don't even know if he's going to you know pan out and be a big leaguer let alone you know what arnado was you know it's not like this guy montero is you know a top 50 prospect in the game or anything like that you know what i mean and they gave away Arenado for that package. So no points to you. Don't go past go. You don't collect $200 straight to jail. Um, and it's just going to get worse. Like Rockies fans, I genuinely feel bad for you guys. You, like, like you got a ballpark that's great for offense, but it kills your pitching. You got, you know, in theory, a, a team in the middle of the country. So you should be able to scout from your base of operations in a fairly, fairly spread out manner. And if you know that you need, you know, guys who induce weak contact when you're bringing in players, you know, you should know what players to target and which guys to develop. But there's nobody in that organization that has any idea of what they're doing. I just, I don't, I don't have anything else to say there. They're just clueless. Like I could come into their organization. Uh, I'd, I'd work for free for a year and I could literally turn things around for them that quick. And it wouldn't be pretty, but I could do it. Uh, it would be a lot of moves, but I could do it. There doesn't seem to be any effort here though. Whereas the Orioles have now picked it up, started operating internationally, started, you know, getting really good drafts the last two years. Um, it's just getting worse and worse for Colorado. And they keep playing it off as if like, oh, well, we were in the wild card game two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, okay. And, you know, like a few years ago, they were, Yes, in the wild card game. 
but that was with a ridiculously weak division. And that was with Arenado. And that was with some semblance of bullpen. And that was like, like that was with a team. If you look at this team, majors and minors, they don't have things going good for them. Like they don't have a lot of top 100 prospects. It's just, it's just a bad situation Mm -hmm. across the board and there's no way to salvage it right now. Story is not going to get you too much in return. Even if you decide to trade him, he's got one year left, you know, if you look at, for instance, um, the deal that the Mets got when they were trading for Lindor, what they traded to get Lindor, that was the best package that you could ever imagine getting for Story. And the season's already begun. You're not going to get that package. So that, and then of course them knowing that, you know, the way that they do operations, the way that they do moves, A, they'd get even less. B, there's a chance that they're not even going to trade Story. There's a chance that him and Blackman just end up walking for nothing, meaning no prospects in return. So that's why I say it's just going to get worse. Because if those guys walk, where's the Where's the talent? You're not a big league team. You're, this is like a glorified AAA team. There's no way to, to work around it. There's no, oh, but this guy, they're glorified AAA teams. There are AAA teams that have multiple top 100 prospects, okay? Um, I think those teams could beat this team if Blackman and Story are not on this team. I think there are multiple AAA teams that could walk all over the Colorado Rockies without those two players. So uh, that's about as harsh as I can go on a team. Uh, scorched earth about as far as I'm concerned. Because uh, if I'm saying that at least Baltimore's doing something, you know how I feel about Baltimore. I, I know. They're terrible. They're a terrible organization. So, uh, yeah, Rockies might be my new least favorite. It's just hard to hate them so much while they have Story and while they have Blackman there because those guys are legitimate. Those guys are especially Story. Um, Story is one of my favorite players in the sport. If you really want to compare anyone to Tulowitzki, you know, he's much more too low than Brendan Rodgers ever will be outside of the injuries, of course. I mean, it's kind of – when I think of Tulo, I think of great player, but I also think of injuries. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're a Colorado Rockies fan, or you know, if you don't think about Tulo in that way, you think of his, you know, his great years, uh, then you're probably sitting there where like, oh, story's a lot more like him. Well, story's like good Tulo. Rogers is like bad Tulo, and you got both of them on the same team. So um, that's the Rockies, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Happy days. Um, is it? <laughs> uh, so that is the worst team uh, by far in the National League West. I think there's going to be a pretty big separation between them and the next team. Um, so now we are moving to the American League West. Uh, the worst team in the American League West, mind you. Now that's the Rockies. Or not the Rockies, uh, the Rangers. Same our team. Uh, but no, literally... Uh, the Rangers, they have a farm system that is made up solely of guys who are very athletic, but aren't refined. Um, and a few of these guys 
have now been rushed to the big leagues because I guess the idea is if you're that athletic and you're not super refined, why waste your athleticism? Why not see if the athleticism could transfer into some production at the big league level? I just think that it's a bad idea if you're, if that's the way that you're going to be bringing in players, it's like, Oh, well, I'm not getting guys who are refined enough. I'm just getting ridiculously good athletes. And you know what? Because I'm making the mistake there, I'm, I'm just going to rush them to the big leagues. That sounds like such a winning strategy for a major league team. Not. Um, so, but, you know, they, they did that with uh, uh, Anderson Tejada. He had a couple of games last year. I expect he's going to play this year as well. Uh, they have Leotis Tavares at the big league level right now as well getting time in the outfield, which is ridiculous to me. Um, they got Nick Solak, who's a nice little bat, kind of super utility guy. Cannot play defense anywhere, but he can hit a little bit. Uh, they have Joey Gallo, who can really hit and really strike out. I don't know why they haven't traded him for some sort of you know, prospect package or anything, but he's one of their guys. They have David Dahl, who they got from the Rockies. He was one of the Rockies prospects rushed to the big leagues always hurt it's good that he's with the rangers in their ballpark because he would have like he needed a a hitter's ballpark so that he could put up numbers i don't know if he's going to put up numbers this year he's uh like i said he was rushed and i have a feeling that once the big leagues get a hang of him he's going to kind of be knocked way back down to earth i think the strikeouts are going to go way up um, they got Willie Calhoun, who's again hurt. Uh, they got Chris Davis, who's hurt. Chris with a K. They got him from uh, the, the Oakland Athletics this offseason for Andres. Um, I don't know why they decided to get him. He just adds another guy who's going to strike out, uh, or you know, and the only time he's going to produce is if it's a walk, which is where pitchers make mistakes, or if it's a home run, which is where pitchers make mistakes. You already have Gallo with that kind of profile. It's not a good idea to get another, but that's the, the, the route they decided to go. Um, they got Nate Lowe, who's going to do great while the league doesn't know him. Uh, he's already doing pretty good this year. They're trying Isaiah kiner Falefa at shortstop. I have no clue why they are doing this. Um, he's an elite third baseman. Let him stay at third, let him grow into his bat, then move him over to short. Now he's trying to learn shortstop and grow into his bat at the same time. That's way too hard to do for a guy who just learned third. So you can't keep moving his position. It's like, you know, what are you going to do? Move him back to catcher now? You know, like, are you going to move him to center? You know, like, just give the guy a spot and let him learn to hit. Um, they just brought in Culberson, who's a decent bench bat, but not exactly a fan of Ronald Guzman. Um, they have Brock Holt, who I loved when he was with Boston, but we don't know if he can do it anymore. You know, he had two good years for Boston, and that was right in the middle of the juiced ball era. He had lineup protection through the roof with those teams like J.D. Martinez, Devers, you know, Betts. Um, I, I just I don't see it here. They're going to have to, I guess, platoon him in some sort of way with someone uh, if they're going to get production out of him. I guess he's going to be at third with Culberson, maybe. I don't really like that. Um, And then at catcher, they got Jonah Heim from Oakland, who's interesting, walks, hits singles. 
not a lot of power. Um, Sam Huff, who's got a ton of power, but he's got nothing else. Uh, super overrated player. Um, so guys out there who, who do prospect rankings, they really like Sam Huff, but they didn't really analyze how most of his year was very early on, and he fell into this massive slump towards the end of the year uh, in the minors in last time he was down there. They called him up. He did great, but then the strikeouts. Um, and that's basically your team that, you know, that's, that's basically the, 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 the Rangers offense, you know, they have guys who are rushed, super toolsy, but like not going to really perform anytime soon. They're still growing. You have guys who are like strikeout home run types, you know, guys who are that that's all they're going to do is wait for a pitcher to make a mistake. They have guys that are kind of like super utility guys that are fun, you know, like Brock Holt and Solak. You could use them off the bench in combination. That would work pretty good. You even have a good first baseman in regards to Nate Lowe, but the way that they've decided to construct the rest of this club it just doesn't really make any sense to me. So Gallo's your right fielder. Calhoun's your left fielder. Dahl's your center fielder. You're moving Solak around the outfield to kind of back those guys up. And I guess Solak will be used with Holt at third. Then they have Falefa for short. Who's their second baseman? Is that Culberson's their second? Or maybe they put Solak at second? Um, it's a very confusing way that they've put together their team. I do not like it. I do not like their one through nine. Um, that being said, Jonah Heim and Sam Huff versus, uh, Elias Diaz and Dom Nunez for the Rockies night and day. The Rangers are better like Jonah Heim. I could actually see him have like a league average offensive year, you know? Uh, they're neither Elias Diaz or Dom Nunez are capable of that. Um, you know, you move to first base. Yeah. You know, the Rockies have crone, but they got Nate Lowe. Nate Lowe's even better than, than, than CJ crone. Um, you know, they have Fuentes at third. Well, you got Brock Holt at third. Holt is better than Fuentes. You got, um, Ryan McMahon, who I guess is going to be utility and second base. We got Solak, who's going to be utility and second base. So that's better. You know, uh, uh, you, you know, story maybe on the Rockies, as may Blackman, but the rest of the, the, the team outside of uh, well, the Rockies, you have, you have to understand this. It's story, it's Blackman, and it's CJ Crone. Okay. They do not have a DH. All right. So the pitcher's hitting, they got three guys, they got six that are going to be basically auto outs. Okay. Whereas the Rangers, Solak could come about 10% below league average, 5% below league average, or even up to 15% above. Gallo, he's probably going to be anywhere between like league average and 15% above. He might even be better than that. Chris Davis, at worst, he'll be like 5% below league average. At best, he'll be about 10% above league average. David Dahl, he could be about a league average hitter. Willie Calhoun, he could be about 5% above league average. Uh, Nate Lowe, while the league doesn't know him, he could be like 20% above league average, 25% above league average. Uh, you know, Brock Holt, he could be 10% below league average. 
Kiner Falefa could be 10% below league average. Like these are all guys who are going to be right around league average bats. Whereas the Rockies have three guys who can do that. So the, the Rangers are, are, are immensely a better offense than the Rockies. But it's also very clear that this is one of the worst offenses in baseball. It's just really good for them that they have some sort of semblance of a one through nine because they'll have Davis at DH. They'll have Gallo in right. They'll have Calhoun in left when he's back. They'll have Dahl in center. They'll have Solak at, at second. They'll have um, uh, Falefa at short. They'll have Holt at third. Uh, first will be Nate Lowe. And catcher by the end of the year will be Jonah Hine. That's nine guys. It's not nine great guys, but it's nine guys. Can't say that the Rockies have that. Most of the players playing for the Rockies should be in AAA right now, should not be big leaguers. And it's kind of a shame that the league is not forcing the Rockies to sign guys because there are a lot of guys on the free agent market who could help the Rockies. They're just deciding to sit on their hands. Like, it, it's a, I think it's kind of a crime because these guys, their, their jobs are on the line. The amount of money they're going to make this year is either going to be nothing or it's going to be what these teams pay them. So if you have a team that's just deciding, you know what, I want a better draft pick. I'm going to sit on my hands. I'm going to not do anything. You know, that's, that's just a, that's a shame. Okay. That's just, that's a bit of a problem if you get where I'm coming from. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, real quick, cause I do want to talk about the Rangers pitching. It's also, uh, slightly better than the Rockies pitching because the Rockies pitching, they have Herman Marquez and they have some guys who outside of their ballpark might be interesting, but the Rockies did deal for Dane Dunning, who was one of the White Sox best pitching prospects. They did bring in Fulton who was, you know, a Braves ace for a few years and has kind of been having trouble in recent times. He could, you know, recollect himself and, and have a couple more good years. Uh, it's not a question of stuff. Um, they got Kyle Gibson, who's a ground ball guy. As long as you have a good defense, he can have a decent year. Uh, they brought in Ian Kennedy. Someone told me they're going to actually be trying him in the rotation rather than the bullpen. That's interesting. He could be an innings eater type, maybe back end type. Uh, they have Jordan Lyles, another fine back end type. Uh, and then they have some guys who are former top prospects who are going to mix into there as well, who could upgrade uh, uh, the rotation as total. Um, someone told me um, that, uh, what's his name? Uh, Leclerc is out for the year. So that's, that's a bit of a problem for their pen because uh, he's one of their best pen arms. But, uh, you know, even as is, they are probably the best of the five worst teams in baseball. And if they decide to send people like Tavares back to the minors and Anderson Tejada back to the minors, and they decide to let the pitchers that they have from their system go back to AAA and work on themselves, and maybe Matt Bush takes another step forward uh, as a reliever, um, then there is some sort of something developing for them, be it trade chips or pieces that they can use in the future off the bench to support a contending team or, you know, in certain roles in the bullpen or, you know, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. This is a team that has 
it's looking like they're they're grabbing what they can and kind of collecting what they can. Uh, it doesn't look like a team that's kind of stuck in the mud and deciding to actively not do things or, or a team that's stuck in the mud and kind of giving up, which is both the Rockies. Um, but yeah, so if you are, if you're a Rangers fan, you know, be excited that they're actually, you know, accumulating some players together. It's been a couple of years since the Rangers were even good and be excited that you have a closer, you know, who's getting a little bit better each year, former top prospect Bush. Uh, be excited that you have some sort of semblance of a rotation, especially about Dane Dunning. Watch Dane Dunning. Watch Fulton Awitz. If Fulton Awitz brings back his stuff, then cool. You got a great trade chip. And if Dane Dunning emerges, then you got a player to build around. You got you got that ace to build around. It. You know, it's always good to have that covered because then it's easier to build the rest of your team when you're recovering things. And you do have a nine man lineup. Uh, if Heim, you know, surprises. You might have your catcher of the future. Um, if no, if Nate Lowe, you know, shows that he's even better than this because he is the brother of a top prospect, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe it's not just polish. Maybe it's also ability. So maybe you have first base then to build around. You already have Gallo in a corner. So if that starts to develop, you have that to build around. You have Calhoun in another corner. I don't mind Calhoun as an eight-hole hitter. Uh, you got Solak, who is super underrated. He could be your future second baseman. Not gonna, not gonna, you know, back off that. But like I said earlier, I would have kept Falefa at third. Defense is where you want with him. You need the offense to catch up. You need him to focus solely on that. Um, what I would do if I was this team moving forward is I would concentrate on getting a stud shortstop. I'd concentrate on getting a stud center fielder. Uh, Chris Davis, the the DH, would be a very short-term fit. I'd end up moving uh, David Dahl and Calhoun into like a platoon between corner outfield and DH, A, to keep Calhoun and Dahl healthy, but also because Dahl, I think, is a much better defender than Calhoun, and I think he's the more injury-prone one. So you're going to need ways of getting – keeping him healthy um, while keeping his, his bat in the order. I think since they're both lefties, you can just switch him off rather than, you know, put him in an actual platoon. Um, but that's what I would do. Get a center fielder, get a new DH, get a superstar shortstop where you can move Falefa back to third, keep Holt as your super utility. Uh, you know, let the, the guys that you've rushed to the big leagues develop in triple a, and, you know, fix the back end of your bullpen and rotation, which, you know, rot- bullpen you can do on the fly, rotation you can do in the offseason, fairly inexpensively as well. Um, but the big ones, the big places you want to spend are shortstop, which is something that you can spend on this offseason. It's the deepest offseason for shortstops in recent memory. Uh, and then center fielders, uh, you can either try and convert Gallo to center, where he did pretty good, and then go get a monster hitter for a corner or probably go deal for someone. I mean, there's not a lot of elite center fielders that are on the market right now. Uh, so it might be a better idea to put Gallo there and then just go for some sort of masher who can just you know play right field. Um, but if you do that, all of a sudden, bam, in a division like the AL West, you can start competing because the Astros are falling. You know, Seattle's kind of in between right now. They don't really know where they stand. Oakland is the same as they've always been. 
uh, where they're good but boring, they can be topped if you have the right pieces. Um, so it's really, you know, the, the, the main competition in that division right now is the Angels. Uh, if you go out and you get like Trevor Story, who you know, we just talked about being a free agent this offseason from the Rockies, and you go out, you move Gallo from right field to center field, and you go out and you add Castellanos. Why not? Um, all of a sudden, you're starting to make noise. If then you say go out and you do better than adding a back-end starter. Maybe you go out and you trade for Patrick Corbin. I don't know, okay? I don't even think he's available. Maybe trade for Kyle Hendricks. Um, then all of a sudden, you're talking about a team that can win the division. So even though this is a team that is clearly a five-worst team in baseball, within like two years, a year, if you make the right moves, they can be right back there. It's just I don't quite trust the Rangers yet to make those moves. Uh, I do like that they've put together a full lineup, though, and I do want to give them a lot of credit there because most teams that are this terrible can't put together a full one through nine lineup, and they don't have much uh, starting rotation depth. And these, this team has at least three, four legitimate starters, and I have a one through nine lineup. Doesn't mean it's a great one through nine lineup, but it's a full lineup. There are teams out there that have a much more powerful offense, much better offense than the Rangers, but they do have a spot in the lineup where somebody who's an auto auto out comes up and it gives the pitcher a little bit of a break. So it's worth noting when you do have that advantage, despite the fact that this is a bottom five team. Like if you're looking at at the bottom five, you have team 30, 29, 28, 27, 26 this is team 26 so i guess that's about as optimistic as i can be about the rangers Mm -hmm. you know um but it's also about as realistic as i can be about them as well um and that's it those are the two last place teams in the two western divisions for the 2021 season in major league baseball now we've covered a few divisions previously i want to make sure that I give a couple of updates with regards to, to those divisions. Uh, I believe the AL East, last time I, I, I talked on this, uh, I believe I, I, I had adjusted it to put Boston as the second-place team. Uh, I, that is still the case, but I want to make sure that I'm, I'm verbalizing that here. Um, and also with regards to the Central uh, it's the same as I had it projected. The only difference is how far the number one team is going to get in the playoffs because of injuries. Uh, a player has gotten hurt and he'll be out the whole year. It's going to really affect them. Um, that's the American League. Uh, the National League, uh, you have the same, you know, one through five that I talked about last time. Uh, the you know where, where the Phillies initially I said that they were going to be higher up and they ended up moving down. Um, but I think now we're starting to enter a period of time that because of certain injuries with the number one team, that the number two team in that divisional breakdown is now having about as legit a chance as the number one team at finishing in first. It's almost a tie. 
but I'd still say it's roughly the same positions um, and the same positions for the National League Central. I don't have any adjustments there, but to say that it's going to be a battle between the top two teams all year, all year. And um, it's the only one where I feel a little bit of risk with regards to my, my, my projection for the number one team. Um, well, I won't say the only one, but it's the biggest risk by far. I'm not worried about my projections for the West, not worried about my projections for the AL uh, Central, the AL East. Mm-hmm. Um, the only ones that are close are the NL East and the NL Central, but specifically the NL Central. So, uh, yeah. I didn't want to give too, too much away in there. So I didn't say any sort of orders. If you want to check out those, definitely check out some of our previous recordings, breaking down teams, uh, division by division, place by place. And uh, that's it for me, Chris. That's really it again. Just like I said at the beginning of this episode, make sure you listen in for when we talk about when our live streams are going to happen. They're going really well. James is doing a great job. We're making them really fun. Um, that's one thing I will stay on is that we're, we're making them really fun and interactive, um, especially when people say things in chat and stuff like that. Don't forget, subscribe to the newsletter. I always drop the link in the bio of every podcast episode. Make sure you're hitting that subscribe button on both the podcast and the YouTube channel. And yeah, we'll see you all. Well, you'll hear us again soon. See you next time.